About once per week, the Lakota ate a small piece of raw liver or kidney and considered it quite necessary to good health. The old folks said that they had always eaten the liver and kidney raw because it was good for them and fed it to the little children so they would acquire a taste for it. Raw liver is now being recommended for use in the treatment of anemic patients, but the Lakota discovered it long ago and there were no anemics among them. The Lakotas were not habitual raw meat eaters, but if for some reason hungry hunters thought it was unwise or unsafe to build a fire, they ate, without cooking, the liver, kidneys, tripe, marrow, and spinal cord. Chief Standing Bear, Land of the Spotted Eagle, 1933. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Ready to talk? Mm, never. But <laughs> that's what The we're amount doing. of time it takes me <laughs> to get you on a podcast is absolutely ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I've kind of just conceded well, to the fact that um, I have to just start doing massive podcasts by myself. You're very hard. See, what I'm worried about is hunting season is going to wrap it all, get wrapped up here in a few weeks, and uh, I won't have any more excuses. Yeah, well, you will. You will find something else. You'll be like, oh, I got to go work out. Oh, I got to go to town. Oh, I got to go do this. Yeah, you you will find an excuse. But that's okay because I'm making a new New Year's resolution Hmm. that I'm going to be doing more podcasts. Yeah. And I see the whiteboard over there. It's got a lot of names on it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, really good. I need more names. So if anybody out there... (laughs) <laughs> knows of someone they want oh. me to talk to mm-hmm. send me a dm on instagram or email me yeah. but i'm looking for of course interesting people with interesting things to say but i'm also looking for normal people that have had good success stories with things so whatever but i'm also going to start doing two short form podcasts a month and this is going to be one of them so in the past we've had food friday mm-hmm which I think has been pretty successful because they're short form, 15 to 20 minutes. We chat it up. They get a lot of listens because they're not two hours long and stuff. It takes people a lot longer to listen to two-hour podcasts. So I'm going to start doing um, short form podcasts, probably on health topics or things that I see come up. And I've got a whole long list of those. So on top of the list was the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is liver we put out our favorite food of all time (laughs) liver yeah no a couple weeks ago uh well more than a couple weeks ago you you brought an elk home with an elk liver Mm -hmm. and a little bit of backstory i think it's important for folks to realize we yeah begrudgingly because first off um i know there's people out there that really do enjoy the taste of liver I find that hard to fathom that people do. Um, I know liver and onions has always been like a kind of a staple in the hunting community uh, right after the kill. I, for some reason, I just never acquired that taste. It wasn't really a family thing growing up, liver and onions. And yet some people really, really dig it. Uh, I've, I don't think I'm a picky eater either. I pretty much like everything. But liver is one of those foods that literally makes me gag when I try to swallow it. It's it's so weird. It's just, and it's not just the consistency of it or anything like that. It's it's 
and it's the flavor. It's bad. <laughs> so, so we've tried to, for a long time, figure out how, and we've tried multiple ways on how we can get it in because we, you especially, know the importance of Oregon meats. Well, I think it's become more apparent to me too as we obviously have a supplement company now. And I think about what products I want to have and the fact that I also have a nutrition degree and this kind of like dietary foundational thing and seeing, just seeing a lot of the disorders that we have now and thinking about like, well, why didn't, you know, our ancestors or reading about like how our ancestors were not granted. Everybody always says, oh, we have such a good life. Well, yeah, we do. Our life is so easy now compared to our ancestors. So they, and they were not 100% healthy because they were dealing with things like, you know, cholera and the flu actually killing your children and, um, you know, clean water, clean food, living and working in urban environments with no protections to, you know, I mean, eating bad meat. There's, there's a lot of things that have come up, um, that have changed and made it way healthier for us. However, we abandoned a lot of the foods that kept us ancestrally healthy. Now, of course, this really depends on where you come from on the planet. And I really like to go to Native Americans and the way they ate because we live on the North American continent. Like you and I have always lived on the North American continent, even though we have. And so when you look at the food that is abundant in North America or was um, at the time, let's say uh, pre-colonial expansion, you know, it was a lot of animal products, right? Mm -hmm. And fruits, tubers, things that were in season. Um, But but most of the tribes are seafood. Most of the tribes that um, existed here for tens of thousands of years, they were eating more of these animal product diets. So anyways, you start thinking about the health and I look back at the health and I think to myself, you know, what are we doing different? Well, obviously we eat a lot more processed food. We don't eat as much food straight from the cow, straight from, you know, the farm. It's been pasteurized, homogenized, gone through lots of different hands. The meat people eat goes through many different hands. It's not out, not all meat is out grass fed. And um, even if it is grass fed, it might be grain fed or Skittles fed, whatever, you know, to, to get it plumped up for the store. Um, and so we're missing some of those vital Nutrients. I think food has turned into more fun than just thinking about it as fuel these days. Yeah. So obviously a lot more sugar is processed. And um, Mm -hmm. in doing so, we're kicking out, me included, kicking out some of the foods like organ meat, liver. Well, we never grew up on it because our generation, so like my mom's generation, Mm -hmm. she was forced to eat liver. That was part of their diet. My, she's, she said she was traumatized by it. It was so disgusting. And so she made this pact that she would never force us to eat liver. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we ate quote unquote fairly healthy as kids and stuff. Um, My parents are, when I was younger, they didn't eat red meat, but they ate other meats that kind of slanted that way. And then of course my stepdad came in. So we had a lot more wild game, but we were never a big like chicken and we never ate a ton of that kind of meat. We always had wild game or when I was younger, maybe we'd have some fish and maybe some chicken. 
but we never had organ meat. Like organ meat was like never even talked about. But I remember listening to my grandparents talk about organ meats, about eating liver and onions. My grandma would talk about soaking it in milk and like doing things like that. Doing things. That's it. It's like you have to do something <laughs> to hide the flavor of it. And then which... even in, in, in uh, undergrad at school, learning about these things, learning about like Weston Price and nutrient-dense diets, but we never actually cooked with it. We never like learned how to make organ meats, right? We never, we never made bone broth. We never cooked liver. We didn't learn about like the heart. And we learned about what they do, adrenals, kidneys, like what do they do in your body? But we never ate them. We never prepared them. Never learned about we are the not the culture of eating these of foods, them, right? Sure. Like, you know, um, so anyways, my long story short is that when I decided I want to start trying this was when I got into medical school and there was a lot of talk around some, there was some groups at medical school talking about just eating like organs instead of taking supplements, right? Instead of taking adrenal supplements, just eat adrenals. Well, here comes in the problem. Most of the people that I went to medical school, first of all, were not hunting and like, where in the heck are you getting adrenals from? They don't sell adrenal glands at the grocery store. Now, if you go to like Wajimaya, you know, they sold all kinds of things, pig noses and chicken feet and things that we as a culture don't eat. But, you know, um, you know, the Asian culture, they're eating all the time. And when you think of like chicken feet, why in the heck would you eat chicken feet? They just boil them. They're just bones. They're just, they're making broth. They're making that for their joints and their um, connect tissue. So I started thinking about that. And then the use of supplements and how we, we have such a heavy dosing of supplements now. So it's like this you can eat a crappy diet and then just take supplements, right? And now as I'm in hormones and I'm doing so much hormones and I'm doing so much of this, I start thinking about what have we lost that we're not getting? And I can tell you right now, at least once, twice, three times a week when I do people's blood and I go over it with them, a lot of people are B12 and folate deficient. deficient. You can see that in the CBC sometimes and if you actually draw the numbers, um, a lot of people have methylation defects, which is this inability to properly um, or enzymatically use B12 and folic, folates, especially folic acid from supplements, like you have to have the methylated form. These are genetic defects and SNPs that you can get tested for. I see a lot of that. And then Isn't iron that a really deficiency. High percentage of people that have that, I think. Yeah, there's because different forms, and maybe I should just do a whole thing on methylation. Mm -hmm. I don't want to totally bore people, but um, it's really fascinating. Uh, you and I have a bunch of them. We've been sure. tested. I, I mean, I have it worse than you, which would make sense because you can stand out by your diesel truck and just like inhale the smell and love mm, it. And I feel so like good. I'm going to die <laughs> like at any second, <laughs> even five seconds of whiffing diesel. So I don't have great detoxification capacity as great as you do. And, and people who have less methylation issues, they can detoxify better and, and they use folates and it's a long story. So, but I see a lot of that and I see a lot of iron deficiency. Um, and oh my gosh, the rampant amount of vitamin D deficiency I'm guilty. I last time I got my blood checked, I was low. What would you say the percentage of people are that have ninety percent? Ninety, yeah, yeah. Like I I get one that gets checked. multiple labs a day. And when I see a person who is not supplemented and they are over fifty, I'm like, what are you doing? Now, 
again, this comes back to the question. It's not that we have a lack of supplements because our ancestors were not taking supplements, but what were our ancestors typically doing? They were eating nutrient-dense, animal-rich foods that had all these fat-soluble vitamins in them. So the other thing you forget about when you hear vitamin D is you think of it just by itself. Vitamin D works with other vitamins and fat-soluble vitamins and minerals and stuff, right? So we know you need vitamin D for calcium, for the bone, right? You don't have enough vitamin D, you get rickets. Your bones get soft. You don't get enough sunlight, you'll get rickets, right? Like there's, you need vitamin D, but you also need vitamin A, you need vitamin K, and the best type of vitamin K is K from animal products. So you can get K from plants, um, et cetera, but it's better from animal products. Vitamin A, which is retinol, not beta carotene. So vitamin A, you can get vitamin A from beta carotene. So we have carrots in the garden, we eat carrots, we turn in our body beta carotene into retinol. However, some people do that really poorly. So there's a lot of people too that are vitamin A deficient. And you think of vitamin A deficiency, you think of like starving children in Africa, right? So they're fortifying the rice with vitamin A and all this stuff because you'll lose your vision. There's a lot of reasons you need vitamin A. Well, one of the reasons is it helps vitamin D absorption. So if you've got, so if you've got all these fat soluble vitamins that you're low in, vitamin D for one, vitamin A for one, K, um, vitamin E, right? We need vitamin E to recycle um, vitamin C. Wait, no, we need vitamin C to recycle vitamin E. Like these all play in together. So when you think of organs, what were our ancestors doing that was different than maybe eating just muscle meat and seasonal, seasonal dairy, um, or, you know, raw dairy and or seasonal fruits and vegetables? What was different? They were eating these organ meats because sometime in most cultures in the world that do live on animal products, um, and there's very few that don't that are healthy, um, they have the a nutrient-dense sorts of animal product, whether it's blubbers, fats, those are all lipophilic, so they're all fat-soluble, um, organ meats, all the precursors and collagens and proteins and amino acids and, and bone and in bone marrow. Um, some cultures are eating the brain and the spinal column. That's called nose to tail, basically. They're eating everything. Um, in this culture here in North America with like deer hunting, I wouldn't recommend eating brains of a deer or spinal column. And we have a whole podcast on CWD and so do a bunch of other hunting podcasts, but I wouldn't do that. However, those things all have fat soluble vitamins in them. So this is what people are now lacking. You would draw their blood. They're low in vitamin D. They're typically low in their B12s and folates. We don't always test vitamin A and K, but when you start supplementing people with that, they can get better. Um, Vitamin C, vitamin E, these things, right? So that's why I like organ meats. And so when I started thinking about it, it was more like that. And now that I see so many people deficient in these things, and I will literally have patients come in who have been taking 10,000 units of vitamin D a day for eight weeks, and their number's gone up 10 points. That shouldn't happen. So then the two other things you think about with that is, um, is gut health, which you and I have talked a ton about. You absorb a lot of these things through your gut. 
So you might need to take a different form of vitamin D. But remember, your body is always going to utilize food better or like the, the closer to raw form than a supplement. And so um, anyways, way back, I told you I want you to bring a liver home. Mm-hmm. And you were like, eh, what? I've never brought a liver home. I was like, well, I'm going to eat it because well, it's good for me. I was pregnant, like, right? I think I was pregnant. Here's and I was the like, program. Usually, like obviously you're peeling off and scraping all the meat off. Oftentimes, we'll pack the bones out if mm-hmm. we're within five miles or something, you know, doable to where we can get, get the bones out. Uh, without too much difficulty, the heart always comes out because we love it. It's it tastes good. It's mm-hmm. great, and obviously there's a lot of nutritional value there. The liver was always one of those things where we're like, mm, can't stomach it. It's ten, twelve pounds on a on an elk. Um, it's, it's a lot less on a deer, obviously, but because we didn't like the flavor of it. I just never packed it out. And I know guys that, that would, or they would eat it the night of, or um, that would be the first thing they would eat. It was just never a, a hit here in my family growing up, as well as yeah. my family right now. Yeah. So yeah, you you were fighting me to pack out liver. <laughs> for it was this, a deer liver the was mere, the first one we got. Yeah, for the mere fact that, obviously, nutritional value, looking at all the vitamins that you get and all this and that. Mainly it was for iron because I, I, I yeah. tended to run anemic. So I thought, I fought you a little if bit. I have that, it'll help with mm-hmm. anemia. Yeah, so I fought you a little bit on it. But I did end up packing one out. And then, of course, when I packed it out, we, we got it and um, we tried it in small doses. Again, hadn't changed. Still really hard to stomach. Um, in fact, even you couldn't I really tried, stomach it. And I was like, yeah, it tasted like... <laughs> dirt mixed with like bile or something i just couldn't do it i was like so what we did was i that first go around i ended up didn't want to waste it i just couldn't stomach it so figured well let's just cut it into small pieces so i thin sliced it and then laid it out on wax paper and froze it so that there would be these like hard little squares that you could just like toss in and mm-hmm. hopefully swallow and try to get past the flavor of it. And how did that go? Not real well. Just. This is when we were pregnant with Tana. Yeah. This because is, mm-hmm. I ended up, I ended up taking them. Well, we tried eating it that way. Yeah. Um, a lot of that ended up going to our animals. For they were treats, fine if you, fine. if you swallow them frozen, they're mm-hmm. like, they're like a pill. You just swallow them frozen, but then you got like a, chunk of meat in your mouth they had to be pretty small i mean yeah we just decided like okay we'll keep it and we'll who knows and then we were gonna have a baby and so we thought maybe we'll use it then and um get a little get a few extra vitamins (laughs) packed into you while you're growing it yeah and then um (laughs) my second daughter about killed me and i lost a lot of blood Mm -hmm. and so they were like, okay, you need a ton of iron. And um, I, I, opt, I, you know, I didn't get a blood transfusion, which hindsight I probably should have. It would have been a lot faster. So this but, was my opportunity to just feed you little <laughs> squares of liver again. Yeah. When I look back on it, I was like, I don't know. I think the liver did. 
Well, I lost so much blood that, like I said, I should have had a blood transfusion. But I think the liver, I, they were giving me pills, iron pills. But we were also, I was like at every meal, every, and I had to eat a lot to keep my blood volume going. So you were just feeding me these pills. So I was just eating pills. And then I remember, like, I don't need any more pills. But I remember swallowing those. And I was really anemic for a long time. But I think they helped me to build my blood volume in that first couple of weeks after I lost the blood. And um, it would make sense, you know, that's, again, there's a lot of heme iron in liver. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just can't get heme iron from uh, synthetic supplements that aren't yeah. animal products. And so um, spleen is also, so we use spleen actually for patients who are really anemic. It's, it's got five times more heme in it than a liver does. If you can find the spleen and bring the spleen home. That's a big kind of white looking crazy organ. Have you seen a spleen? I don't believe I've ever searched or for pancreas. Spleen, but... It's behind the pancreas on the left side. I don't know about the ruminants. I'd have to look at their guts <laughs> on humans anyways. And spleen filters your blood, mm-hmm. right? So it's a it's all about blood. But um yeah. And that's when I realized, okay, we should do more with the organs and we, we don't want to eat it, but we should do something with it. Mm-hmm. So here we are Again. capping liver powder to swallow so we don't have to actually eat it, but that we get the benefits of it. Yeah. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. So, yeah, this year on one of the hunts, I decided, all right, I'll I'll pack some liver out. It's 12 pounds, 13 we'll, pounds. Yeah, yeah, 12-pound liver, and which is a lot. I mean, it, was a, it wasn't a pack out for the ages, so I thought, all right, I can add another 12 <laughs> pounds to the pack, um, and we'll just get creative with it. And we'd been wanting to, to do this for a bit. So this one, I figured, well... We got um, all these fancy dehydrators here now, so let's go ahead and utilize them and make this liver into something you just don't taste, but still reap some benefits from it. So um, yeah, I figured, all right, well, let's, let's give her a go. And so I thin sliced it, a lot of it. I ended up doing about three quarters of the liver, actually. Thin sliced. Uh, oh, you filled. did do three quarters of yeah, it? Yeah, I've only got about a quarter left. I thought liver. you did like a quarter of it. Cause no, I have that thing was so huge. much liver vacuum packed. So what I did was I, I filled about every rack of my dehydrators and um, then sliced, dehydrated it for, uh, I think that batch, I, I didn't do a high temp. I think I did, gosh, 131... Yeah, we tried to keep like it low, and that's because you know if you if you the higher you go, up, the less you nutrient. lose nutrients. Yeah, you lose a little bit. It's not a ton, but it's it's something. So um, it's not like we were pressed for time. So we just let it, let it run until it was absolutely a hundred percent bone dry. Which I think that that batch was about oh fourteen hours or so, mm. and. Um, that gave us an absolute ton of jerky, liver jerky. Mm, which, it smelled so yummy. Yeah. 
I know. Even, so here's the deal. If you don't like to eat it, you're not going to like to smell it dehydrating and you're out. So you got to put it somewhere. So a lot of times away. I'll dehydrate down in the basement. Yeah. But, but if no it's way. really like fruits and meals and things like that, it's not too bad if like it wafts up into the house. Yeah. Watermelon is lovely. It's it like, is. oh, it smells like the tropics. Liver but is when you go like with you're liver, in the bathroom. Even doing it out <laughs> in the garage, if there's a doorway, like it, it permeated the house a bit. But um, so yeah, it, it didn't take much. Like I, I ended up, I mean, the dogs love it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, once it was dehydrated, the next step was obviously to, to pulverize it. And I had purchased, um, gosh, what a thousand caps or so for, for capping them, capping Mm -hmm. the the powder and a few pieces in the bullet. We use that little magic bullet Mm -hmm. for yeah, you need that. That's really important like that or a coffee grinder because you yeah, and even uh, a coffee grinder yeah. can be pretty rough. Um, it takes Vitamix a, will not do it. It takes a pretty good blender mm-hmm. um, with good blade speed and like some heft behind it. If you toss in 10, 12 pieces of jerky. Unless you want to be swallowing swall- chunks like I was. Yeah, and even at that, you have to grind it for a decent amount of time to get it completely pulverized. Um, now obviously it doesn't have to be a complete fine, fine powder. You just want it in, you know, to be able to ingest it. But, and then it's, it's super easy from there and it's basically just capping, mm-hmm. you kind of fill the, um, the long side of the cap. What I would do is I'd fill the long side. I'd also mm-hmm. fill the short side and just so it's packed. So you get as much powder in each capsule as possible. It's just time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran out and this morning I did... 12 or 14 caps so the kids could have some and I could have some and yeah yeah it's kind of laborious if you want to spend a good few hours you could get a bunch of caps put together and yeah I'm taking it on all the trips like all the hunting trips so um I capped up uh we just got back from a from a trip uh, not that long ago and I capped up about 60 caps and I burned through all those on that trip I was just doing three a day mm-hmm. um and then now, yeah, I've got a freezer where all the dehydrated pieces, I just, they were bone dry. I air chamber sealed them from our, you know, vacuum packer and um, tossed them in the freezer. And, and then we just pull out a pack and de- and just grind it up and um, cap it as we need it. It's probably enough to last for years, <laughs> quite honestly. And I still have a quarter liver that I, I backpacked um, that I have in the freezer there for anything else we want to use it for. Yeah, well, we have plenty of, so we, you vacuum packed those little, we have plenty of those jerky, single, mm-hmm. you know, we had a lot of that left. It'll last us all through winter. I mean, this will for sure take care of us oh, through yeah, winter. And you so, get a ton of caps, like 10, 12 pieces will give you a lot of caps. I mean, at least probably a hundred 125 caps or so yeah i so i would say the biggest thing i'm always like trying to kind of convince people of now that hunt like you guys should bring at least one organ like liver organ per you know season home because especially if it's an elk liver it's probably gonna last you for the entire time now if you love to eat liver then obviously it's not because you're going to be slicing it up and sauteing Ting it or whatever you do with it. Masking it. I had a guy send me a DM 
and say that he mixes it. He just takes raw liver and puts it in his shake. Yeah. And he drinks it in the morning with stuff. And I said, Sounds holy horrible. cow, you are tougher than I am. And he was like, yep. So that, that, um, the caps, I think we figured out it's about 14 caps is one ounce of grass fed liver. Um, and just depending on how much you want to take, you could take that a day if you wanted to, but we kind of, I, I do it about six a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that a little over two days. Um, and the important thing I think that's also important to remember about the liver from a grass fed animal, like a ruminant, um, and that that includes cows, yes, even though they may not be wild out there like an elk or a deer, if they're grass fed and they're getting the nutrients from that quick growing grass that they're eating down, then um, that's the best. I don't know about a liver from an animal that's in a feedlot. I don't know if I, you know, I, I can't actually say, but I do know that they're eating feed and the feed's probably not organic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, pasture fra- raised organic not where a farm where everything's been sprayed, you know, or yeah. and that kind of stuff. That's important too. And the, I think the, we had some concerns from folks that were asking about the function of a liver and yeah. w- how that could be healthy. So maybe you could how that could be that, healthy. So most people think of like obviously you think of detoxification when you think of the liver, mm-hmm. and that's true. But the liver does so many things, and it's not a what we call an accumulator. It does not accumulate waste. It filters, filters. waste. Um, so how I like to how I like to think of the um, they're called hepatocytes and they are liver cells. And you you when you cut through a liver, the liver has a very different matrix than like muscle meat does or even the heart. Right? Mm-hmm. It's you see all these little porous um, things in the meat. And if you break that down, that's like millions and millions, I don't know, kajillions of hepatocytes. Kajillions. <laughs> and the, easy w- the easiest way I try to explain to people is dirty blood comes in. Um, dirty blood comes into the liver. And all those hepatocytes through that, the, that blood system, they're like that gro- the gross thing down in our sink the screen in our sink that catches all the food and the grease and all that stuff so it doesn't go down the sink. So what comes into the liver is this gross, dirty dishwater and what comes out is nice, clean, healthy blood to the body. Eventually, these filters, these little cells, they can get kind of clogged like the thing in your sink does and you got to clean it out once in a while. And so we, you, you can use herbs for that. Obviously, lots of water Um and then the less contaminants that you're throwing into the system, the less those hepatocytes are going to get clogged and inflamed. And then when you think, it, but the body's always clearing this stuff out, like the liver's clearing. It's not just, it's not taking all the waste you've ever taken in in your life and storing it in your liver, which, was exactly which would what kill you. People's concerns were, yeah. it, was, it was a filter, so it must be holding on to yeah. all those toxins. It's doing biochemical processes, along with filtering the blood and in that whole middle process, it's, it's taking things off, adding things on so that you can actually eliminate waste, make it easier. Um, 
and that's how it's doing it. It's not just, it's not like waste just sticks in there and sits there and sits there. There's actual, all these biochemical processes the liver does in order to, like when we talked about methylation, you know, methylation is partially detoxification. And if you have really poor methylation, that's going to slow down these processes. Again, nutrients are so important for the liver, these fat-soluble vitamins, um, vitamin B, folate, natural folates, not folic acid. They, they help to clean these processes up and they help to clean the blood and they help to detoxify and they help to make new RNA and DNA and they help to do all these kinds of things. So the liver does not hold all your waste. Now, we do think of the liver like if you think of an alcoholic. Like usually when everybody thinks of the liver, they think like... If, you know, think of an alcoholic, he's got cirrhosis. Well, an alcoholic or whoever has cirrhosis, there's also genetic conditions. And nowadays, non-alcoholic fatty liver, because everybody's walking around with high triglycerides from eating all this poor processed garbage food, um, is clogging the liver up. Your, your, your liver also makes and processes all your cholesterols, all your triglycerides. It's got a massive job. If you think about, like, if you had one employee like this for your entire life, it's kind of like me. Everything runs through me and I'm like the center and I detox it all in the bit in a business. Like that's what the liver's doing your entire life. It never stops, never gets a day off, never gets a second off unless maybe you decide to do a fast and just drink some water and you know what I mean? It's crazy. And then you've got hormones. It metabolizes, processes all of your hormones. Um, and so the liver is doing a lot. But if you think of like cirrhosis over time, you just keep insulting it, insulting it, insulting it, insulting it. The cells, there's presets to cirrhosis that come on, but basically the cells just give up and they just say, sorry, can't do it anymore. Fortunately, that's not, not something we have to worry about when it comes to wild animals that we're hunting and pulling the liver out of versus a human's liver. Yeah, because getting... ruminants are eating, um, they're eating... Organs in general, in the past even, were eaten raw a lot of times. Heart was eaten fairly quickly. The organs were eaten fairly quickly because, one, their medicinal power is very, like, if you take it out of the animal and it's not going to be doing its job anymore, right? It's like, you could freeze it, but think back in the day, like, the warriors would, basically, they'd be the ones to eat maybe the heart, and then they'd go back to the, and that night they'd have their feast. And that's when everybody would eat the organs. They'd eat the kidneys. They'd eat the adrenals because they knew those were preventing immunity. Um, they knew that they're, they were healthier if they ate those organs. Organ meats are also different than muscle meats. So, you know, muscle meat has a lot of amino acid and definitely protein. It does have heme iron in it. Again, B12 does have those but not at the concentrated levels that organ meats do. And that's why you don't have to eat as much organ meat. <laughs> Let's remember that water-soluble vitamins, you pee out every day. So like vitamin C is water-soluble. You pee it out, and we don't make it as humans, so we have to consume vitamin C in our diet, but we pee it out. B vitamins, most of them we pee out. Vitamin A, D, K, E, you don't pee them out. They get stored and they will be stored in high concentrations in organs. That's why it's so good to eat liver, because you get that nice supplement in there. But if you sit down tonight and you eat half a liver by yourself, you might be fine. But if you did that every night, that might become a problem. 
right. sitting down and eating half a liver. Sounds like a pretty <laughs> rough night to me. <laughs> they should have an eating Not, contest. That'll never happen. <laughs> okay, so anyways, the liver is rich in also what's called choline. Choline is important in a lot of different things, but especially your brain function, neurological function. It's very important in liver function. It's important for women having babies. It's essential for formation of the child. And so choline is also something we are deficient in these days. Um, choline can also be found in eggs, you know, egg yolks. It's not in the egg white. So if you're eating a bunch of egg whites and taking out all the yolks, you're missing a really important piece of the whole food, which is why I'm never a big fan of that. I think that's silly to throw Haven't egg yolks we away. Dispelled the myth of yeah. egg yolks are being yeah so cholesterol, high in cholesterol right. that they kill you. Yeah, and then you got that B12 and the folate. Um, liver assists methylation, like we talked about. It's central to detoxification, like we talked about, um, and. When you're eating liver, you're going to have better nutrient function because you're getting it from food versus a supplement. So I really think if we started again in our communities, people started eating or consuming like these supplements that are just freeze-dried um, organ meats or they started eating them in their own home like we are, would we see an improvement in these fat-soluble vitamins? Um, Likely we would. Yeah, that and if we removed all the plant oils, but that's for another podcast. Yes, it is. Okay, so we have a whole short tutorial that we did on Ryan's Instagram, Stealthy. There is a highlight there. It says liver. We are also going to put one on the Hunt and Harvest Health uh, highlights. We'll have a liver thing so you can go see pictures and how we did it. We did use the Meet, meet Your Maker products. Mm-hmm. which we've talked about on here. Um, you can find a link to that on our website under shop if you need a dehydrator. We love the Excalibur, but I tell you, the Meet Your Maker looks way more sexier on the counter. Um, Not just that, but it's it's like metal and uh, easier to easier clean. easier to clean. Way easier to clean. Yeah. yeah, so that's the dehydrator. And then um, our vacuum packer too, that thing's awesome. So... I would recommend those things. I also have a couple companies. So if you're like, dude, I don't have real a liver. Quick on the, real you, quick on the vacuum packer because yeah. I get a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Um, some folks might not be real familiar with an air chamber sealer uh, versus just a food saver style vacuum packer. Um, now, way back, I was really lucky in the business I was in, the fishing business prior to be introduced to an air chamber sealer and it's just the way to go if you want long-term storage and you want to have a piece of equipment that lasts practically a lifetime um gosh i was i was a little kid when we got ours and my dad purchased it it was an old koch machine uh single single chamber and he still uses that thing to this day it's probably 30 years old and um we used larger varieties in the fishing business where we could actually, you know, backpack down 10, 12 trays at a time, uh, large scale commercial backpackers. Now, I don't know every, anybody else's luck that they've had with food saver style backpacks. I've never had good luck with them. They tend to break. They tend to stop working. Um, and they just have never pulled all the air out to my liking. So then you have 
storage issues and um, even down to the heat seal bar not working quite right air gets into it you get freezer burn those type issues and I mean they're cheap maybe a hundred bucks some of them 200 bucks but they never tend to last very long and and that's where I would say um, if anybody is thinking about getting uh, a piece of equipment for food storage whether you do your own meat, your own fish, even your vegetables, just putting food away. Um, look at an air chamber sealer. I don't care what company it is. There's a bunch of them out there that mm-hmm. make them. Um, uh, Koch was a commercial grade, that, a commercial brand that we used growing up in the fishing business, and that was a really good one. Uh, I think right now, you know, I was excited to see Meet Your Maker. They have their version and we've been using the heck out of it and it's great. It's about the exact same version and style as the Koch machine. And, um, these are lifetime pieces of equipment. So it just the nature of how it fills the bladder with air and then it pulls all the air out of that bag, a real good seal bar on it. It's, it really is something that, um, it's an investment, no doubt about it. But it, again, I think it's a lifetime piece of equipment and you won't have to burn through 10 food savers, you know, in 10, 20 years. I think the way you can figure it out is if you can pick up the vacuum packer with two fingers and throw it across the floor, <laughs> you should not use that vacuum packer. Well, look, but if, food savers. If you can barely pick up the vacuum packer off the counter and haul it, like we have a storage place, like you think you're going to drop it. It's so sturdy. That's it's, the vacuum packer you want. It's hefty. Yeah. It is like solid. It's not something you want to have to go up and down stairs with. It's pretty significant. Yeah. For a smaller, I mean, it's, I don't know. What is it about a foot and a half by foot and a half? Yeah. It's not huge. Yeah. I mean, but, I can pick it up. It's just heavy. Yeah, for sure. But it will absolutely save you money in the long mm-hmm. run. I am a hundred percent convinced. I know for the short time that I didn't have, access to our air chamber sealer while we when we moved um just having to buy those expensive food saver bags mm-hmm. you know the kind they're kind of corrugated and they work with those cheap little food saver machines mm-hmm. those things are dang expensive mm-hmm. now if you get an air chamber sealer like what we do is we purchase our bags off uline or wherever a lot of meat um, supply companies will have them by the hundred pack but get them by the thousand pack and if you do a lot of your own foods, meats, fish, veggie, whatever, food storage type stuff, um, gosh, those bags end up being dirt cheap if you buy them in bulk like that versus having to spend a fortune buying food saver bags, which are not cheap at all. Yeah. No, none of that stuff is cheap. I feel like when it's marketed at the store, like a Target, there's this. Oh, and then you need to buy this and you need to buy this and you need to buy this. And yeah. the next thing you know, and then the thing doesn't even seal right. You get it home. I've had, I've tried different, like I've tried LEM, I've tried Cabela mm-hmm. style, Food Saver, and they've never worked. Um, sometimes they work for a short period of time, but they just never have any longevity. And again, they're expensive and you just burn through them. They're in my opinion, they're just cheap junk. Um, but gosh, yeah, the, the air chambers are again a big investment. I think a lot of them are between five and a thousand bucks, five hundred and a thousand mm-hmm. bucks. But it's a lifetime buy, mm-hmm. and you will save a fortune on bags in the long run if you 
do this a lot, which we do. Yeah, I feel like we need to do the kitchen podcast to like what mm-hmm. to have in your meat processing kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody who's like you knows and they're probably laughing at this idea right now, but yo, you guys don't know the kind of questions we get and sometimes they are literally like the the like beginner questions like what do I get? I don't sure. know where to start down to like the grinder. Well, it's re- really easy to get um lured into a $100 food saver. Yeah. How cool. My- I'm going to pull all the air out of my bag, toss it in the freezer. Inevitably, what happens is the seal bar typically goes first. Um, If you're backpacking a wet product, even a a meat, a steak that you've just rinsed or whatever, and it's got um, a wetness to it, your seal tends to not be that great, and you're always fighting the seal bar. And if you have a wrinkle in the bag as you lay it onto the seal Mm -hmm. bar... Sometimes you'll notice in a week or sometimes longer in your freezer, it'll break the seal and you'll have all kinds of problems. Um, whereas a heavy duty seal bar from say an air chamber sealer, just, we don't have problems. I don't have seals break ever. So, yeah. Well, I also wanted to tell everybody uh, just a few companies. So if you're like, dude, I can't even get this. I, you know, maybe it's somebody who doesn't hunt or right now or whatever, didn't get an animal this season. Um, there's two companies I really like. One is Ancestral Supplements. They've been around a really long time. Ancestralsupplements.com. Um, pretty easy. They have all the grass-fed organs, multiple different types. They do have liver on there. They've got spleen. They've got one that's got all the organs in it. So if you just want to get a little bit of everything, you can do that. So I recommend them. And then um, also the new company, I'm sure if any of you guys are podcast junkies like I am, you listened to Dr. Saladino on recently Rogan's podcast. He was on the Meat Eater podcast shortly before that. Mm-hmm. The dude is um, out to prove that carnivore is going to save the planet. And he might just be right. I don't know. I mean, when I see his health and his vibrance. But Dr. Saladino's, he just started a supplement company um, called Heart and Soil. So heartandsoil.co, not com, dot co. And he's got some products there, and they're a little bit more specialized, but check that out. Um, we don't carry any of those in our line. We're we're specializing in our line. This is also like a whole, you, will, you won't see many supplement companies doing this. This is hard. Like you have to, these are freeze-dried um, animal products. You have to source them from the right places. They have to go through USDA. There's a, there's just a lot of work to get desiccated animal products into a pill that you're going to sell to people. Maybe someday. But these are the two companies that I would recommend if you just um, want to try it yourself. Um, also, remember, it's food. So these products are not, they're more like food. And they take a while. So it's not, again, kind of like the CBD. The CBD is food. It takes a little while. It's not like it just overnight, bam. And so think about that when you're eating organ meats and you're trying to find a specific thing. You know, if you are anemic or you do have inconsistencies in your blood work that show maybe your B12 and fully deficient or that kind of thing. Remember, it takes some time. So these things with you're trying to do it with food. Anyways, um, yeah, that's our liver podcast. It's pretty simple. 
Yeah. But it turned into a long format. Next, we will have to do our kidney podcast. We've got some kidney that we're going to work up here. So we'll show people what we do. Yep. All right. Go get yourself a liver, folks, if you haven't already. Ciao. The Hunt Harvest Health Podcast is for general health information only. This podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. Any questions regarding your health should be addressed to your own primary care physician or other health care provider.